And welcome back, everyone listening in the podcast world, whether it's on your phone, on a website, or anywhere in between. This is the Away Team Podcast. My name is Phil, co-host as always, Mr. James. Uh, we got a lot in the yo, yo. got a lot of the basketball world going this week. A um, couple big stories, but before we uh, start off with the big stories, got a couple quick hitters. Oh well, first I want to say I discovered uh, tahin. You know, you know what tahin is? Like tahini. No, tahini, not tahiti, tahini. So it's this, it's this uh, spice that you, I guess you can put on any kind of food, but it goes really well on fruit. And it's uh, just like some salt and some, some some pepper and some 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 cayenne. And it's I, I'm 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 brand I'm I'm late to the game because it's big in San Diego and a lot of the the um you know we have a huge Mexican population here and that's like a staple. You ever tried it? No, like I say, I never heard of it. Never got that gum. I'm a T A J I N, bro. Go get you some fresh pineapple or whatever sliced pineapple, and put some tahini on, tahini on it, and and your life will will flourish 145. percent Not only do we bring you basketball info here on the Way Team Podcast, but we make your taste buds jump. Um, around the league right now, uh, the report just came out about uh, Dirk. Dirk is uh, having Achilles issues, and he's uh, he's out indefinitely. Is the word. Um, they said at least for the next seven games, and so we're talking he's going to miss at least five games there. What does this mean? What do you think this means for Dallas, man? And the next five games, they got Chicago, Charlotte, Sacramento, Indiana, Houston. What do they look like without Dirk there? Uh, one way or another, I think those are five losses. Um, I think Dallas, honestly, is on their road to a top five pick this year. And I, I think Dirk should just be, be chilling out and sitting. If he wants to play two more years, like two including this one, he should not take his. He, he should take his sweet time. Like at his age, Achilles injury. I, I'd be real tempted to sit at least till. Oof, I would even take the year off, but I don't think Dirk's going to do that. Yeah, I just don't. It's it's sad to see him go out like this, and it kind of reminds me of shades of Kobe, where you want him to go out with dignity, and uh, you know, well, Kobe actually did. Kobe turned it around, and that last game was something thrilling. But, you know, his last couple of years were really rough for everybody to watch. And Dirk's, I don't want Dirk to be that guy. That's what it's looking like. The team around him is not very good. So, sad situation all around. Um, just get better soon, Dirk. Um, also, another, other news, the Cavs have lost three straight. Uh, LeBron had to wear a Cubs uniform, and he lost to his friend at home. Pretty embarrassing. Um, I, I don't know. His comments are, hey, we've got to get out of this honeymoon stage. Uh, quote LeBron, that's y'all headline for tomorrow. I know y'all going to use it. it. Do you see something real like are the troubles brewing with, with Cleveland or is this just a dog day? I don't see? think there's problems there. I, I think when he's saying we, he's meaning you as in J.R. Smith. I think J.R. Smith's still in that honeymoon stage. I think the rest of the team, uh, you got Fry playing at a high level. I mean, there's some guys who aren't hitting their shots, like Dunleavy, but but his his shot's going to fall. And it's not like people are going to put more emphasis on Dunleavy or Fry. I think that can continue. Uh, Shumpert's playing well. Like, with how well LeBron's playing, how well Love's playing, how he Kyrie, when he's saying this is still a honeymoon phase, like, who else is he talking about? Because it kind of has to be J.R., yeah, um, Jr. has been really bad, like really bad. And 
other than everybody seen the video of him walking off the court in another game to dab up his homeboy, uh, Jet Smith, uh, Jet Terry. But other than that, he's been back for – he missed a couple games. He's been back for like seven or eight, and he's averaging like less than five points a game. He's just been really, really, really bad. And it's funny. A lot of people were saying about JR, you know, hey, he always will be who he is. But winning changed everything. But now, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I never trust him. I never have trusted him. Um, other news, it's it, oh Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas has been really kind of salty in uh, Boston lately. He has some comments after uh, after the latest loss to the Pistons, and it was kind of cryptic because uh, he was upset after the Golden State loss, uh, saying that Stevens might have rode with the reserves too long. And now his quote was, yeah, I was very upset. I still am. I mean, somehow, some way, we can't lose games like this, especially on our home floor. And then what else disturbed him? He said, and a few other things, but I'm not going to get into that. Is this a sign of a, a crack in the in the fun-loving, uh, I guess, kumbaya world of the Celtics? And, and what do you think about Isaiah making these comments? Does I mean, it's a little right? bit weird. Like, as a professional and and one of the best players on your team, we can talk about how good he is. I Like, like – I think you it's good that he wants to be in that game, like that he wants to be there instead of the subs. Like I think that's a good thing in the fact that he didn't want to bring up those other points, maybe talking about the respect he has for the team. But at the same point, I think when you go to a loss and instead of blaming yourself for saying you could have played better because, look, there's a reason that he was on the bench. Maybe it was a good reason, maybe it was a bad reason, but you can't give your coach the reason to do that. And I don't know. I just think on a certain level, they... Yeah, they've lost a lot of games because of injuries, but I just think like the writing's on the wall on a certain level that I think they're all kind of permanently, maybe outside of Al Horford on the trade block, and I think they all know it. Well, and the thing with Isaiah and his complaints about the uh, the offense, he said the offense is fool's goal also, another quote with that. Well, they're 10th in the league in offense right now, and that's with uh, Al Horford only playing nine games so far, so less than half the games, and Crowder's only played 11. They're still 10th in offense. Their problem is their defense. They're 19th in defense, and we all know Isaiah is a defensive sieve, so he needs us to kind of look at himself a little more. Also, I just don't think he's good enough to be calling out the coach like that. I mean, I think Stevens has kind of earned his 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 rank as almost maybe a top-five coach already. He's shown he's a great coach, um, and I, I don't get where IT comes off calling him out as far as, you know, minutes and stuff when he's got his chance to be an all-star under Brad Stevens. Now, the next thing we're going to talk about is uh, – I don't know how this is news because, I mean, if this is news, I guess I should make an article about how water is wet. Uh, report, Clippers expect Chris Paul to demand longest possible max contract of free agency. Chris Paul is also already 31, I think he'll be 32 soon. Um, what do you, what's your take on this? Not the article, but... Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, J.R. Reddick all come up free agency next summer. I mean, it's still CP3, right? Like... They can't allow them all to leave. I think he's the guy who you kind of have to throw at. He's still arguably the top point guard in the league. I mean, you could throw a ton of metrics at that. But there's a few other guys, if you had said, like, he wants Max. or Like, like I have way less problem throwing CP3 that money than when they threw it at Mike Conley. Like, I'll put it that contextually. Uh, well, here's the thing. The Chris Paul Max would be 195 mil. It is a lot of money, and it's take him till they'll take him out till he's thirty-seven. So here's the conundrum, though, right? Um, and the Clippers came out the gate gangbusters, uh, but I think they're like four and four in their last eight. Um, Chris Paul, he came out the gate gangbusters. Hey, MVP front runner. I think he's averaging like sixteen and eight in the last eight games, shooting like forty percent from the floor, which for him is not very good. 
And I think also his turnover is up to like three and a half a game, which for him is mm-hmm. insane. That's like a lot. So I'm not saying there's not gloom and doom, obviously. Clippers, I think, are still the second best team in the West. But just moving forward, I mean, it's just – I know this is why I'm glad you're my partner and because you're a smart guy. And you know that people say the Clippers are who they are and you know, they use the second round. They're just wrong, right? Things happen. They're a really good team. The question is how good are they going to be with Chris Paul making you know $30 million a year uh, while Blake Griffin's in his prime in the next, you know, four years. Well, I mean, that's the question. We forget also that like you, uh, you brought JJ Redick up and that's not going to be a small contract either. Like like JJ Redick is not going to sign for 15 a year. He's going to be closer to the 20 considering what he does and everything. And so they're, they're going to have four guys in that team that are going to make what? $20 million each, including, um, it, it, no, at, at the at the minimum twenty, because you average them all together, we're gonna be talking about twenty five. Because DeAndre is making what? Yeah, exactly. Low twenties. Yeah, exactly. So if you get Chris Paul getting up there in the thirty uh, something range, and then Blake's I, gonna get up there. Too. I just think yeah. like like yeah, there's been terrible luck. They haven't had health all along. They haven't always had a bench. This is probably the best Clipper team in a while that that's playing right now, and they showed it when they played Cleveland. Really spanked them, and you know they can. Get, yeah, but then they turned around and got spanked by the I know, Detroit. but like, like to me, is that not the indication of all the, of the Clippers that we've seen this whole time under this kind of tenure of the of their big three, right? They'll like uh, they'll light up a lot of teams, show much so much pro, uh, promise, but when it really comes down to it, like, are they just not like they're just not closers? And and look, good teams beat the teams you're you're supposed to. Beat. Oh come on! See, I just I just gave you I just gave you credit and praised you for not being a hot taker guy. <laughs> And here we are. Okay. With the uh, okay. Uh, maybe I didn't mean it that Come way. I'm on, saying man. the good teams are supposed to beat the teams they're supposed to beat, teams that are under them. And so uh, the fact that they beat Cleveland is, is great. They showed their uh, their ability, their depth, and their execution. But then you need to follow that back up hey. with wins over those teams like Detroit, which you should be handling qu- quite easily. Hey, 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 Phil, Phil, you know that the Michael Jordan led Bulls won 72 games. Do you also know that the year they went to the Toronto games, Raptors, lost to the upstart uh, the Toronto Raptors and Miami, both teams were like expansion teams that year. <laughs> or if they weren't expansion teams, they were like they, they stunk. My point is, uh, losses like that happen, so I'm not gonna, I'm not pinning too much on the Detroit loss. I'm just saying overall, I think two things: we're too quick to crown the Clippers. People writing articles on how they were the second best team, and they were now the best team in the West, and you know, Cleveland's best challenger and. Sure, they're they're really good, but let's let's tone it down. You know, they're four and four in the last eight. Um, you actually raised a really good question. I want you to bring it up on the show regarding another point guard, and this is all ties back into Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, you know, he walked around with his chest puffed out. He really he believes in himself as he should, but I think he probably kind of overinflates himself. And obviously, like uh, he's he's kind of calling out the coach. He's kind of being uh, it's it's kind of a you know very strong headed kind of move. And Chris Paul, it's funny, I said this, Chris Paul is the exact same way, and we praise Chris Paul for it, so it's hard for me to rip Isaiah for what he's doing, but, you know, context is involved here. There's another point guard involved here in the, the scenario you, you uh, floated Well, out. I mean, so we're talking about uh, 31-year-old point guards looking for max money. We had Conley last year, well, not quite 31, but we have Chris Paul. And then if you're looking back in the East, uh, Boston obviously is looking to contend for at least that number two seed, and right now it's being held by the Toronto Raptors. And Kyle Lowry, who's um, 
who's going to be looking for um, or for another big payday. He just saw his backcourt mate, DeMar DeRozan, making tons of money. And Lowry, for as good as he's been, is not getting the love. You know, um, I'm looking at a poll on Real GM right now on who should be in the MVP candidate, and he's not even listed. And they're the number two in the East. I mean, maybe not, but who knows? And so the question is, both these guys, uh, um, Kyle Lowry, for those who actually don't remember, is actually a year younger than, than uh, CP3. People kind of look at him and think that Kyle Lowry is, is older, but no, he's actually a year younger. And and the interesting part we're looking up with the stats is not only is he younger, but the minutes on those feet is actually substantially less. Right. We, we were just taking a look. And even he's, yeah, sure, he started a year after Chris Paul, but... People remember Lowry was a backup for his first four seasons, so he was pretty much gently used. I think he averaged 24 minutes a game his first four seasons. You know, only 30 starts. Um, so there's a lot less wear and tear on him overall, and I think you can see that kind of in how how he plays. He's a little he's, he's a little more athletic and stronger than Chris Paul, and you know he uses his his physicality a little bit more. Um, and also, no, well, go ahead. I want you to raise the point, the the, the question, the hypothetical question. Well, you asked Kyle me Lowry, um, I was thinking. Uh, if you mean the trade idea I had, which I thought was kind of cool in this, yes. if you could just. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm going to cut you off again real quick because I, I, this is what I meant to say before that. And this is that's great radio. Why I give it to you and snatch it right back. Um, why is he not in the MVP talk? It's funny how the media works. The media is a lot. Sometimes uh, the media with with basketball is sometimes like Facebook with Twitter. Everything's about two or three weeks behind. Uh, DeRozan's been getting all the love in, in Toronto and for good reason. He came out the gate smoking. I mean, he was averaging like 35 a game, shooting 56%, 57%. He was just dominating from mid-range. People somehow just, you know, they're, they're still holding on to that, which is awesome. But, I mean, DeRozan's starting to cool off. I think the last six or eight games, he's shooting back down to, you know, 43%. He's averaging like 25 a game, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Oh, I'm sorry, not 25. He's averaging 21 a game. And over those same period, Kyle Lowry's averaging like 24 a game and shooting 50-something percent from three and averaging like 20, 23, 24, uh, 6 and 6. So people seem to, how quickly they forget, Kyle Lowry's the best player on that team. And right now he's playing like it, but no one wants to really well, talk about it. Well, beyond that, is he, like, he's arguably the best point guard in, in the East at this point, right? Um, like, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, like, like we, we, we can talk future all we want, but playing right now, I mean, what, it's Kyrie, Kemba, and Wall? I would kind of put how, how Kyle's on his little level right now, slightly ahead of all them, although they are okay, playing Okay, so well. everybody, everyone who's listening, think- that's at Sporting Phil. So I'm going to make sure I send this to all my Cav fan buddies. You guys could yell at him because he just said that Kyle Lowry is definitively better than, than, uh, than Kyrie Irving. He's playing better at you this just point, said chunk that of Kyrie time. You couldn't carry his jockstrap, and I'll make sure that the people know about that. I feel we may be extrapolating on a point, but we'll stick with it. And I, I think part of it, as much of a homer as I want to be, I think playing for a Canadian franchise still plays into it about the love he gets oh um, through media. So, do you believe that you, and, do you believe, that, I think believe he's, that Canadian franchises are, un, are like unfairly covered or undercovered? Oh, for sure, for wow. sure. Um, and, and I want to give a weird comparison. Remember how good Tony Parker was for years? Always kind of in that top point guard conversation. Obviously not now, but in that same kind of thing, he's like, he's this great, consistent 
consistency is one of those things that sometimes when you don't show up with those 50 point games, people kind of forget about you. Like it's the same kind of play while people had got tired of voting for LeBron James MVP for so a what, while. Like, yeah, I'm just, where, where, where are we going with this? Well, well, I'm just saying when you come back to consistency, I think Kyle Lowry is just that guy that while he won't flash and throw you those big, big games, I just think he's so consistent, consistently good that when you look at the other guys who are making this MVP list, they have that more wow factor, more of the sports center kind well, of Well, also, I mean, last season was his first time averaging over 20 a game, which I know is not like, that's not the be-all, end-all, it's just stats. But, you know, he's only been averaging 17 a game for the last four seasons. So while he is, he's shown up and has been in his run consistently good, I, I, he's relatively new on the scene as far as being an upper echelon player, is my thing. You know, but still, it, it's a conversation. Who's the MVP right now? And right? again, I, you're absolutely right. And no, let's, let's let's look at his numbers early in the season, though. He actually started off kind of slow this year, so it's it's easy for you to say by consistency. But up until this this latest run where he's averaging uh, twenty, he's averaging almost twenty four, uh, five and seven, and shooting a ridiculous fifty five percent from three on seven attempts a game, which is amazing. That's the last seven games. Let's look at his first. I don't know. Uh, let's look at his first. I don't know, 10 games. Who knows? But, but those first little bit, uh, he was also uh, realizing the tear that DeMar was on, right? Right. So obviously oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, more than I'm not dinging would. him. I'm just saying you're saying about his, his consistently excellent. Well, he started off the, the year, he was shooting 30, 36% for the first eight games. And was averaging. When I'm saying consistently uh, um, excellent, I, I, I do mean what you're saying, but uh, my emphasis was going to be that he doesn't have those massive you know, jump off the chart, you know, lead the league in scoring for that day uh, kind of games. Like everyone else in this chart, wh whether it's, you know, Westbrook, Harden, uh, Leonard, LeBron are going to have games where just on a statistical level or in a sports center highlight level are going to well outshine Lowry. Right. Whereas Lowry is just that kind of consistent guy who just makes the right plays, gets people involved. He's your vo vocal leader. You don't hear any bad stuff about him. I want everyone and, to everyone take note that it's been like five minutes. He still hasn't offered up that trade I was asking him to do. He still just hasn't done it. Somehow. Fine. If I was going to say take Lowry and just trade him straight up for CP3 because you got to trade, yeah, you got to sign them both after the season. And I was looking, I was like, with the ability to pass that comes from Blake Griffin, would it not play better with a Kyle Lowry? Same age, one year younger. So you're not getting older by doing this. You have to end way less minutes on those legs. And the thing is, people are going to think that you're actually insane to say this, right? Um, and I guess my question would be, why would, Chris Paul is one of those players that why would he agree to a trade to Toronto? That would be the question. Um, that's the question to ask, and that's where it kind of falls apart. But from the Clippers' standpoint, it's actually not crazy. Um, I don't think he he's not going to demand the same max. Has he been in ten years like Chris Paul? Uh, you know this. Yeah, he came in when he was twenty, and he's thirty-one now. Yes, Oof, man, that's tough. So that's the thing. Uh, so I guess the money would be kind of the same. Maybe you can get him for a little less, but that Chris Paul max at one ninety-five is insane. That sounds crazy, but on the court, I I'm with you. I don't think that's a bad fit at all. Um, my main issue which people say is a critique of Chris Paul. It's just that he's a he's a, he's a a control freak, and uh, he wants to run the offense. Not to the point like Rondo where he wants to make the – he has to make the assist, but he's a very much a, he's a slower-paced guy, and he's a control freak to the point where I think it, it he he needs a release – he needs to give some that control over to Blake Griffin. 
And people keep saying, hey, if he's the best player, you should be in control. I get it, but you got a weapon like Blake Griffin, you got to unleash him a little more, too. And if you got Toronto with guys around there who can score like JV and DeMar DeRozan, maybe there ceases to have that kind of thing because DeMar is not the guy who's going to set up offense like Blake can, right? So he just becomes that outside wing weapon for him. I just don't, I just, like Chris Paul would see that as a demotion to go Oh, for sure. Right, and that's where I think he's such a prideful little little runt that I think he'd probably make noise and it would never happen. Of course, no matter what, it's just hypothetical. I just I, I could see how Kyle Lowry would maybe unlock Blake Griffin a little bit and they wouldn't lose much production at all from the point guard position. Not saying he is as good as Chris Paul, but production wise, he's right there with them. I think he's, you know, nineteen and nineteen five and seven, a little less assists, but a more of a score mentality. Uh he's I think he's a better overall three point shooter than Chris Paul, who when it says his feet is good, but Kyle Lowry's a more explosive scorer. I mean, you put him with with Reddick and Blake Griffin and DeAndre. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's that's pretty damn good. Yep. I mean, I, I think that's more than good. I think my, that my question is, with you though. Did, so, do you think that somehow you think it's an addition by subtraction? Does that actually improve the Clippers? Uh, well, in the last two minutes here, we're gonna have to answer this, but uh, yeah, I I think it does. I just think it balances them a little bit better. And to be quite honest. I think they could even rip another player off of Toronto in that trade. Like, well, if you want to get a little bit more depth, like if you wanted to pull, I don't even know how you'd do it, but just someone like a Terrence Ross kind of guy. Terrence, I think it's too much money. Make too much money for that. So yeah, yeah we're 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 in the we're under the final two minutes here, and we're we're getting you know two minute warnings coming up. Um, so I mean, I guess the original question then it's like moving forward, you're going to pay. Chris Paul, 195 million next summer. Uh, Blake Griffin's going to get about whatever he, his max is going to be insane to. How much do you pay Reddick? I guess is the question. What's the what's the max you're going to pay Reddick to keep him? I really like Reddick. I like. I, I think do. his asking price starts at uh, J.R. Smith, 17. I think realistically, considering he's more consistent, um, I, and I a think way better shooter. Yeah. yeah, like I think it starts at kind of 20 to 23 a year. Like, I think that's what he's probably looking at. Jesus. JJ Reddick. This is, this is the modern NBA and modern and that's it, system. And that's the, yeah, I guess we just heard the, we just heard the buzzer, man. We'll be back. I'm going to have to go wash my face at halftime thinking about paying Chris Paul and, and Kyle Lowry, 195 million. Good boy. <laughs> On the wrong side of 30. What you mean you ain't never heard about the away team? What you mean you ain't never heard about the away team? The away team? The away team? Those guys, that's the away team. And here's the jump, second half starting off, and we're shooting technical free throws. Because me, Jane told us I dropped the ball, and one of our news items fell to the cracks. So let's, let's back up a little bit, a little rewind action. And according to Yahoo.com, uh, my man Kelly Dwyer, Steve Kerr admits to pot use in the wake of his debilitating, painful back surgeries. Um, now this should almost be another long story. Uh, marijuana is, you know, legal in a lot of states now, and even in the states that's illegal, a little pot use never hurt nobody is what the thinking seemed to be, except in professional sports. Um, in football, we had a guy just get suspended for 10 games because he has Crohn's disease, and he wouldn't stop using marijuana for pain management. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that really sucks, man. What's your take on, on this coming out about Steve Kerr? Listen, I have no problem with him taking that take care of back pain, considering how much pharma 
is 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 raking in the the, uh, the dollars, giving all these pills to all these athletes, all these issues that come from it, the complications. The thing that came to my mind right away, I'm like, imagine, you know, Steph Curry comes out with this story, like his back is hurting him or his ankles are hurting him, and he's and he's doing this. You know, he's suspended, right? And and as part of the CBA, they test players, but they don't test coaches. In my mind, I'm like, I don't really see it as a performance-enhancing drug, to be honest. Like, like, like if I could pay the whole other team to be high the whole game and just be that much slower, like, for sure, have at it. But uh, you know, what's crazy. I had a home. I, I had a homeboy, and this is this is totally. I'm agreeing with you. It's not performance-enhancing, but I do have a homeboy who played way better when he was high. He just didn't. He's just his shot was better. He just played freely, more instinctively, and he would like he played very very Phil Jackson Zen like when he was high. Yeah. Well, go ahead. I think there are exceptions like that, but I think as as a general rule, especially with the fast pace and, and, and the high level of, of complexity of the NBA game and systems, I think that can change a bit. But uh, but I'm just looking at the situation. I'm like, especially, you know, it's California. Like, it's even legal recreationally. Like, I, I personally just see it as a quick hit that the NBA doesn't want to go back to its 1980 days where it's worried about cocaine use and all this. And as soon as it allows... You know, players to do that. It just puts this weird light, and the NBA is in a, in a place right now where they're looking to steal a lot of fans from the NFL with a lot of terrible stuff going on there. And I mean, yeah, I've I, said for a while I get what, you're uh, what they should just do I is say, it, like, listen, we don't promote it, but we're not going to test you, and if you do it, you do it, but we, uh, but we won't know. I guess the problem I come up with, and it's not it's not an NBA problem; it's an America problem. Because America, uh, the U.S. is, is in, at its roots very puritanical about stuff like marijuana, which we know is nowhere near the rest, as, as bad as the, the other quote unquote as, uh, as hard drugs. Um, wow. But you know, just because no, it's not because but because of the way the rules are, um, it's it's viewed a lot like those, and it's weird. It's very hypocritical. The, the America is very hypocritical, hypocritical about it because they you know they say there's the the you know parents will tell their kids don't smoke but we know almost every parent smoked back in the 70s very hypocritical it's, it's just america has a very strange relationship with weed we have people locked up for years in jail right now while the weed industry is booming legally it's just a very very strange relationship but on the steve kerr tip i mean it's a, it's a non-story but it, it, it is very strange there are players coming out and supporting him while those same players would get suspended for doing the same thing well, it's I think the weird. first step to any change is having the players support someone like that and just be like, "Okay, guys." No, I'm not saying they should. I'm not saying they should vilify him. I'm just saying that the whole situation is just very ironic. The fact that it's, irony is probably the wrong word. It's just, it's just a very, yeah, just a very strange relationship with marijuana and the NBA and and like the legality and the rules. It's, it's just, it's weird. I honestly think the NBA doesn't care. It's just it like uh, uh, they don't want to play that PR game where they can avoid it. And that's my whole point. It shouldn't even be a PR thing because it's it's just marijuana. I mean, it's legal everywhere. It's marijuana. It shouldn't even, like who is what what NBA fan demographic is going to be upset about their players? That's why I don't understand how the I don't know whatever. That's I'm glad we talked about it. it just kind of pissed me off. It's and I, I don't I don't like weed. I don't smoke weed myself. It's just stupid. Well, hope feel better, Steve Kerr. Um, but situations that are uh, maybe not feeling better is a situation in Sacramento. Uh, we've known for a while Boogie Cousins, not the happiest camper on earth. And we've been hearing more and more over the years of big threes that come out. Um, and there was a bit about him maybe connecting or wanting to connect back with a couple of his Kentucky Wildcats alumni. Yeah, over here at uh, CBSSports.com, they wrote an article about it. And 
I guess it was an interview um, where they asked Boogie about uh, playing with John Wall, and his the question came up: Do you ever think about playing with Wall? And and, and he said, Oh, he, he said that's your question. It's come up. You know, they'll have to come to Sacramento. Come to Sac. That's it. The reporter said, Why don't you go to East? And he Cousins was adamant. Come to Sacramento. And the reporter said, What does Wall say? What does he respond? And and Cousins says, He wants me here. Eric Bledsoe wants us in Phoenix. So now, now Bledsoe's in the, the mix. So it was a whole interview. Um Locked on Wizards dot uh, Locked on Wizards at Locked on Wizards on Twitter has the has the has the, the interview and in right here. So um it's very interesting, man. What what's your take on 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 what's going on with Boogie and and, and the comments he makes about well, that. it's funny, right? Because he's obviously been kind of muddling in obscurity there in Sacramento, even though his numbers are there. He's kind of pulling a Kevin Love East when he was with Minnesota. But mm. I, like, I think the more interesting, but like, I don't think it's weird that he wants to team up with guys he's friends with. Like, like to me, that makes a lot of sense. And to really contend, he's going to need another superstar or another star at least. Mm. Right. So I don't think there's anything weird there. And I think that actually plays out really well. I think him and wall could play well. And I think Bledsoe would make a natural third best player and it and it would fit i think the egos would fit but the weird part to me was saying come to sacramento i mean i just i just thought he had enough of that whole like, like i get it's california but their, their management team has been drafting and signing atrociously and you know what are the choices i mean all three of those franchises in my mind aren't great i mean phoenix as much as they have their their vaunted training staff. I mean, as we've as we've spoken about, their uh, uh, their management team has come under quite a bit of criticism. Whether it was Dragic, uh, a few other guys are kind of hating on them. And then you got Washington. Yeah, who, I think we we let's not we can't let's not lose sight of the forest because of the trees here. Because I think it's it's more of an off the cuff comment. You know, like you like you said, they're they're three friends. Of course, they want to play together. And I like the fact that Boogie's being mm-hmm. the good soldier and saying that hey. I'm not saying I want to go anywhere else with these guys. They need to come here and come with me. As a face of the franchise, he gets a lot of he gets a lot of crap, and uh, I've I, I raised my hand right now. I've given him crap for his attitude and some of the things he's done, and and you know his part in why the the Sacramento Kings are so bad. He's not the main issue, but he's definitely he's not helping sometimes with his attitude. His, his you know, the, the the locker room, I guess, off the not even off the court stuff. He's not a bad guy, just the attitude. Yeah. Um, so I, I like the fact that in this case he's saying, "Hey, he's kind of recruiting," and yeah, it's not serious recruiting. He's got to come, but he, he's been he's being a good soldier and saying, "Hey, they got to come here to Sacramento." That's awesome. That's, I, I, I like that about him, and I, I I don't think we should read too much into it. It's it's friends talking, but as for the fit, I don't I like Wall there. I don't know if Bledsoe is the prime is the is the optimum third guy because it's it's just an awkward fit. A little bit like Russ and Oladipo. Yeah, it's like Russell Oladipo, but Russell Oladipo are making them work yeah. right now. You know, you'd, you'd rather have a, a floor well, stretcher Depot, there. Uh, uh, figured out how to shoot, right? And actually, that's actually a good point, yeah, because right now he's he's killing from three on spot-up threes. So, yeah, um, I I love I love Eric Bledsoe's game, and I think he'd be a great guy to play off of John Wall and Boogie. Just imagine, like, that. what, what, what would that do? So that Kings team, as is, with John Wall, Boogie, and Bledsoe, and so Bledsoe instead of Macklemore, what, what, are they, what are they doing well, in the West? Well, first where of all, they, this can only right happen in two years, according to that, because I was about to say, if you're actually trading for these guys and trying to get them all three on one of the three teams, I think the only team that can actually trade for all three is Washington. And I was... And, and, and I was 
Why is I'm it doing that? the math because I don't think Phoenix has quite enough assets to trade for both Wall and Cousins. Those are two big names. I think it's easier to trade for Bledsoe because he's kind of a bit superfluous if they have Knight, if they can bring back some talent. I think, theoretically, the most logical, if you're really going to trade, is going to end up in Washington because you may be able to get the Kings to bite on Beal and someone else for Boogie, and then I don't think Bledsoe would be as tough to get because they're going to have to pay him. Um, but I... He's already he's already paid for the next couple he's years. Still there. Oh Where's yeah, he, he, got, he, he got his four year deal. But uh, but anyways, uh, just talent wise, I think he's the cheapest of the three to trade for. So when you talk about assets, like again, the Kings, like it'd be the same argument. Uh, getting uh, getting Bledsoe maybe not as tough, but like once you trade for Wall, because they're not going to give up Wall for just nothing, and like you're basically just giving up a ton of picks. Like there's not a whole lot of other value on that team. Uh, you don't think the Suns have a lot of assets? The Suns, the Suns to me, are one of the most I think they do, but I the think the right issue now. is, out of those three, your present, the other guy you have, is the least valuable of the three. So you're going to have to give up. Right, but they have the most assets. I don't know if you have assets. enough assets. Like, like, for sure you're trading Booker then. Yeah, for sure. Booker, uh, Marquise Chris. Uh, Bender. What's the, what's the big kid's name? Len. Um, yeah, Dragon Bender. Uh uh, Warren, Warren's shown himself to be a, a well. That's what I was saying. Like, like I would actually like them in Phoenix. It. I think that's the best situation. But if okay, but to answer your questions, come back because uh, I know I have a bad habit of tangenting. Um, those those three <laughs> together right now, honestly, I don't think it's enough. I don't see enough shooting. Um, I'm not as hyped on Wall as some people are. I think he's still one of the top point guards, but um, I don't think those two have enough. Kind of to your point of. Bledsoe and Wall together in the backcourt doesn't super scare me. Like, I wouldn't consider them one of the best backcourts in the league. Uh, they'd probably be top 15, but they wouldn't really be up there. And, and and again, like, it depends what Phoenix keeps. But You said they'd be top what? Top 15 backcourt. Are you kidding me right now? What? I'd probably have to look in. You know what, man? We were doing okay. so good. Okay, this, show's been, okay, this show's been so peaceful. Okay, I'll say top 10. No, 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 no. It's too late. It's too late. I'm already too late. You, you got me. You're, you're about to set me. Oh, yeah. You're about to set me the hell off. Did you just say that John Wall, who I think we all we both agree is right around the top five, six range? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And Eric Bledsoe, who, when healthy, is definitely a top 10 point guard. Or guard, whatever you want to call him. I don't know he's if I kinda, call him a top ten guard. You saying that you don't think he's a top? So give me, give me right now, give me ten better point guards. Than Going back to point side. guards, um, Wall, Kyrie, Lowry. So no, no, no uh, hold on. I'll, I'll make sure. I, maybe I misunderstood that. So you, you're saying just guard in general, he might not be top ten. Okay, I'll give you that. But you do agree he's a top ten point guard. I'd have to look at it, but it's probably really close around there. Oh, I like oh, you, son of a. I like I like George Hill better, better now, as an example. I'm listening. All right, um, I'm, I'm going to count Giannis Antetokounmpo because he plays point guard. <laughs> no, nope, no, he doesn't. Right, so he's a small I got Lowry, CP3. You just name him off. I'll count. Okay, go ahead. Um. So Lowry CP3, uh, one two, Kyrie three. Okay. He does count. Um, Four. Da, da, da. Russ and Steph. Russ and Steph, five, six. Yep. Russ, Steph, and I said that. Chris Paul, right. seven. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Did you? Oh yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so we're six. Through, uh, killing me off the spot. Um, da, 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 da. No, Isaiah Thomas? But I'll... Uh, okay. Yes. Campbell Walker? I'm still taking George Hill. That's seven. I'm still taking George Hill. I'll give you Campbell right now. Um, That's eight. I know I'm blanking on someone right now. It's going to be a good one, too. Um, can't do it, bro. Well, can I take it. Drew Holiday? Is that close? Eric That's very close, but they're almost the same player. Who's I prefer a better shooter, Drew. So, okay, you're still at um, eight or nine. Didn't I get to okay. ten? Um, oh. No. And I get this one with the home run. James Harden. Bam. Game. Blouses. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that. And I'm taking back the oh, holiday. Man. So we're still, we're You're still so mean. There's, still there's not even any. Yeah. Any... All right. So either way, the fact that even if the fact you're saying, let's say he's the number 11. Let's, I don't care if he's 11. You're saying that the number five point guard and the number 11 point guard to c combined come up and make the a top the, the number okay, 15 okay, backcourt okay. are you insane nine then fine you can't give me nine backcourts better than a wall a wall bledsoe mix you can't so i'm not we're not gonna we can sit here all day and discuss that one because you're I, I, they must, like I said, they must make some great edibles in Canada. I'm so surprised uh, they got to, uh, you didn't yeah, intro the Steve Kerr part, like referring to that on some level. <laughs> yeah. Well, the fact that I tell you all the time that you, you love they, talking about edibles, so if you like it, Steve Kerr likes it. Everyone's happy. Uh, but okay, so yeah. look, those two, fine. Uh, we'll call them a top, like five backcourt, um, even. Uh, 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 Oh crap! I just, I'm, look, I'm looking at the time right now. I'm, this is this is. Hey, we're, we're we're almost hitting the five minute mark of the fourth quarter, and we're down six. So we got to get it together a little bit. So real quick, just where where would you think? I, I think just having those three, they're definitely. I'm gonna say. I mean, they're gonna be. They're. I think they'd be better than Memphis. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking there'd be a. Yeah, they're probably that five, five, six, seven five, range, depending how like long seven. it takes them to gel and how good their supporting cast, because they're gonna need shooters around them, kind of plays. I'm not gonna. I'm just saying, just those three alone, uh, with some of the pieces they have already in Sacramento. I, I'm thinking you might get a coach. Okay, I, feel you I don't there. know. I don't know. I, I, yeah, they're definitely in the, they're in the playoffs. I think they're definitely they'll be pushing for that top four probably. Okay. Right. They're they're fine. My, so let's 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 we don't want to get stuck on that one though, and that's fine. Where else? So Boogie, you know, Boogie's he's up uh, as a free agent, 2018. Yeah. They're right. Um, there's also some other talk in the league of a, of a, of a kind of guy being frustrated and Tibbs. Tibbs was actually, and let's, let's actually just, it started with your boy HP basketball at HP basketball, which is Matt Moore on Twitter. He posted a picture with a bunch of, <laughs> you know, laughing a trade scenario where he said, Ricky Rubio and Andre Wiggins from Minnesota for DeMarcus Cousins and Omer Caspi. And that sparked a whole conversation. What I think do you it's think interesting. Um, I mean, I th I just don't know if it works um, in terms of personalities. Talent-wise, having Cousins and Cat would be pretty dynamic. Um, I think they both would eat away from each other's numbers, so I think we would see both take a f fairly significant dip in scoring and all. Um, but you still, Levine, like, I I don't think that team has any problem scoring. It, it, it lets you keep done, and he's he gets to start. And at the three... Uh, you get Caspi, and I think Caspi is a great player. Um, he wanted, he want. Is Caspi a three? I thought Caspi was like better at three. Four. He can kind of play four. Um, but 
He's uh, okay. uh, he's a guy who definitely wants out, and that's obvious. I just think, and for Sacramento, I think it's a no-brainer. Uh, you get your point guard you want, Ricky Rubio, who makes everyone better, and you get your franchise guy, uh, Andrew Wiggins. I mean, and you still suck. So you're going to get... I mean, uh, Andrew Wiggins would, would would not be kind of protected like he is now on so many levels. I, I, I think you see his numbers dip as well. Like, like, I think statistically all players would lose, but I think long-term, uh, depending on the Kings draft, which I give them no credit for considering past history, so he'd just be lost in obscurity, so right. I think eventually Wiggins would just leave. But Minnesota, if you're looking at Towns, Boogie, who can both hit threes now, and with Dunn and Levine, uh, that's a dynamic team. I just don't, I just don't think that they should rush. Like, honestly, like as much as that trade's kind of cool, like I, I would just sit on that team. Um, yeah, and, and that's that was my question when when Tibbs came in was is is he a teacher and is he patient enough to take the lumps of having this young team? That's why I was flabbergasted by all this talk about them winning fifty games this season. I'm like, they haven't even been good yet, and now you're going to think they're going to go straight to being, you know, one step below great. That's just not how it works. And we're seeing – that's what we're seeing. They're, 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 um, Tibbs is known to ride guys. He sits on that sidelines. He just barks, barks, barks all game. And, I mean, it, it doesn't seem to be working because they, you know, they're, they're still young. They're going to make mental errors. They're going to have well, You lapses. just have to sit on it. I mean, this gold mine you're going to have in two, three years. Yeah, You'd exactly. be stupid to, to walk away from this. I mean, look, exactly. in the modern NBA where you want your big to be able to do everything, you have that. When you want a dynamic 3 and D wing, you're going to have that. When you want a shooting guard who can play both positions, look, if they're walking with, like, like even if they do trade Rubio on an, in another trade, and they just have Dunnett and, and Levine. Both can ball handle, both can score dynamically, create their own shots. I mean, you, you have a lot of the check boxes that, you know, you would want out of your star players. This is uh, indicative of, I mean, sure, the NBA is a high-pressure, big big money uh, industry. And some owners, they try to run it like you know, like something like, you know, like tech. And they, they think that the more money I throw into this, uh, we should win. Or more talent we have, we should win and now. That's just how it works. Look what Orlando did. Orlando, you know, yeah, Orlando just, you know, they kind of screwed the pooch the last few years because they just decided they had to make the playoffs. So they're, they're <laughs> moving for bets and bringing in the coaches, and it turned into a, a crap show. Um, Phoenix is not doing that. That's good. I think as bad as Phoenix <laughs> look now, they're going to look great in a couple of years if they just stay the course. you got to stay the course. Even uh, the process. 76ers, uh, right? the Bucks. It, it was an extreme those. situation, but – Right, and if if he had just stayed the course, I think we would be talking about um, Hinky a lot mm-hmm. different right now if he had stayed, because yeah. if the process was on the cusp of turning things around, and this year the team looks like a real team. So um, yeah, I, I don't like I don't like that Tibbs is already you know there's rumors about trades and it's just it's a it's sad man. I want these guys to be great. I want uh, Wiggins and and Towns to, to, to mesh and be great eventually and they won't they're, they're so not giving young. gotta give them time they're, uh, they're, they're, they're uh, oldest with time. valuable players 22 <clears throat> right you know someone I mean? just needs to talk they to be like hey pieces, tibbs man. people just, already consider you a top five relax. coach hang out uh maybe we'll get kind it's just it's just not in his dna though you know what i'm saying and that's why i was such, I, I thought this might be an awkward fit i love tibbs and i said this and i got into it with uh Couple people on because they're like the whole team was about to enter tips, their so prime. Sure, tips would be perfect. Coach. Exactly, you said it perfectly. So you give them a bunch of twenty-seven-year-old professional players who like who you know, come in and know their roles. You're great. He's going to make them a lot better. 
You give him a bunch of unformed clay, and now he has to mold them and try to win. It's but maybe story. this is the next story because you know I mean? Tibbs so, has been criticized for this so, all his career, and maybe we're just calling him wrong. And at this point, he he's going to show us all up and show how he's able to do it. So here's my question, though. Um, it's two part, just because we're we're we're, we're approaching the two minute mark here too. Um, do you think Boogie will stay? Like, let's say next summer, no. Boogie and I think not, because I, I, I truly think Boogie said what he said. Next next summer is, Walsh, is John Wall. Um, yes, because I think they have to. Next summer is Eric Bledsoe and Phoenix. Yes, because Brandon Knight is probably on his way out. But I was just saying, I, I, um, I really think Cousins uh, um, said okay. all that because he just wants to uh, light ahead. a fire under the uh, under the butts of the uh, Sacramento G- GM to be like, bring me talent. Uh, I see the opposite. I, I, I see it as him actually just being a good Sacramento guy. And he's, you know, lightly trying to recruit. But, I mean, there's no pressure there. They got him on a contract for you know, the next year. I guess I think Wall and Bledsoe. We talked about this, right? Wall and yeah. Bledsoe are up in 2019. He's up in 2018. So I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe. And this is the thing. I think I look at Sacramento's situation and think Boogie must hate it there. Maybe Boogie doesn't. Boogie might really like Sacramento, the area. And, I think it's just the ownership group above and all. Sure, they're not winning. You know. Right. It is. We know that it's, it sucks, but these are the guys who draft. Here we are, man. We're in the overall. Let's. So. Uh, Oh Jesus, that yeah, Vivek. Is Thomas just, Robinson, five fifth. I feel overall. I feel bad for Sac- two fan bases. I feel bad for right now, Sacramento fans and and Wizards fans because the fan bases seem to be really supportive and just passionate and and love their team in basketball. And the product on the floor has been so bad, uh, especially for the for the Sacramento fans for a while, right? And the King, like the Wizards, just were in the. It's probably even harder for the Wizards. Let me ask you: what, Is it harder Absolutely. for the Wizards, Wizards fans, fans who were uh, just uh, in There was the probably some expectation, including uh, a couple of colleagues I know who had them kind of that four-five range, and to drop this far. I'm not saying you did, and I didn't either. But I did. There, there were some people who looked at who they have, and they got enough. Oh, you did. Sorry. No, I did. I did. I had. I. Yeah, yeah. I, I had. I thought they would have a resurgent year and be back in the mix in the four-five. I did. I thought you know the pieces they added. And, a fresh start, you know, with new coach, and they they, they kind of take off, and obviously, it's it's just like it's almost like a yep. what do they say? One bad apple spoils the bunch, and no no player is a bad apple. I just think the overall just the negative energy around that team is just kind of dragging stuck them down. The, I have nothing stuck to really with the backcourt who don't like each other and they can't afford to get rid of Wall because they can't be stuck with just Beal. So, yeah, man, it's it's tough. It's I feel bad for him. Yeah, so I hope. Well, I guys, this is a uh, yeah. What else you Anything got, man? Coming up, what you got coming up? Um, Anything coming up? In the world of basketball, not too much, man. I've been trying to actually dive into the world of writing for Press Basketball because uh, not only do we have this away team podcast on Press Basketball, but we also have a ton of articles. James is, uh, is a writer there as well, uh, as we spoke about a couple weeks ago. And a lot of cool videos coming out. So uh, I'm, th- I'm thinking of dabbling in. Just never been a big writer. So I'm trying to think how to put my sarcastic, crazy self onto uh, the typed word. That's where I'm going. I actually, I actually got a piece. Uh, I'm working on something for press basketball right now. Actually, I'm gonna 
It's about uh, the the load that Russell Westbrook's carrying, so keep an eye out for that over at press. <laughs> if I'm not supposed to tell that, sorry, yeah. Mark. Yeah, like going on. I just told that, so it's too late. Um, I'm, yeah, that's it, man. So we'll be back next week. No, nah, man, uh, this is just a. Uh, uh, I just want to thank you guys, honestly, for listening. Another episode of the Away Team Podcast here on Press Basketball. Feel free to follow us and continue the conversation on Twitter. We'll have our handles as always in the description. J Holis Hoops. For once I didn't uh, mess it up and for myself at Sporting Phil. We always keep the conversation going. You may not agree, but that's why we play the game. From James, myself. No, I was, I was, I was, gonna, I was gonna try to come up with a catch and catch phrase, right. but you know I can't do that. So we'll work on it. We'll work on it some other time. Live the game, love the game, listen to the game. Phil and James. And we're out. Press basketball.